Good morning. Thank you, Justin, for leading us in those songs. I love singing together. I love worshiping together, uh, especially with so many brothers and sisters in Christ. It really moves our soul when we can be unified for Christ. And Colossians 3 really shares that idea. It says, Here there is no Greek and Jew, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. And I believe that is true for us here today as God-fearing people. And we need to count our blessings that we get to worship and fellowship together with so many of God's people. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Colossians 3, and I want you to mark Colossians 3. Colossians 3, and then turn over to 1 Corinthians 13. This lesson this morning is going to be basically part two of our class. Sam did an amazing job in class this morning. Basically stole everything I was going to talk about, but... uh, that's all right. I love how that actually ends up happening, and God works it in so we can all think about these things on a deeper level from other people's points of view. So we're going to be in First Col- Corinthians 13 to begin with. And throughout this series on the book of Colossians, we've been comparing our spiritual maturity, our growth, to that of a tree. We've understood that it's essential to be rooted in Christ and to sprout up from that ground and to grow, and, and that's going to take joyful and patient endurance. But we all have a starting place. A major aspect of spiritual growth is growing in maturity. And 1 Corinthians 13, 11 through 12 tells us it's unhealthy to be in this immature state and to stay in that immature state. It says in 1 Corinthians 13, if you're following along, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face, now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Giving up childish ways and becoming a man takes a sense of true selflessness. It takes the willingness to stop being cared for and to start caring for others. I always understood, I've always tried to understand that an adult is someone who has control has self-control, the ability to control our emotions and our feelings. Being a man or woman isn't so much about our age, while there is science behind that, obviously. But it, it says in verse 11, it's more about being able to speak and think and reason with discernment and understanding. And if we take our tree analogy, we look at a tree again, you notice that once it starts maturing and growing out its branches, that's when it really makes an impact. When we look at it, that's when it makes an impression on us. We look at a tree and its strong branches, and it's like it's reaching out at us. And we're similar in the same sense that when we begin to mature, when we begin to grow, our influence begins to grow just like the branches of a tree. And as this happens, our influence just reaches other people. How we walk, the steps we take forward are kind of like those branches. So how strong are our branches going to be? How far are they going to reach? Because our branches, our influence, should be made out of love. And Jesus says this in Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine that you should love your neighbor as yourself. And so in 1 Corinthians 13, we read verse 13, and it reassures us. It says, so now, faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Faith, hope, and love, these are essential to spiritual maturity. But notice what the greatest is. It is love. And that gives Colossians 3 really a whole new meaning. And Colossians 3.12 is where we're going to start there. When it says, put on then, 
as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, this is what we put on, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. These are the things that we use to impact people. This is the fruit that we bear off our branches. This is the fruit that's sweet and healthy and nourishing. You think about a tree and those leaves. That's what, you know, that's the clothes of a tree, if you will. And Paul encourages us to put that on in verse 12. Put that on. But you notice, you see, the fruit means nothing. It can't impact without love. We can't reach people with compassion and kindness and humility, meekness and patience if we don't have love. And Paul says something similar that he said back in 1 Corinthians. He says in Colossians 3.14, And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Without love, our life is in this disorder. It doesn't matter how good we try to be, the kindness that we try to show, the humility that we try to practice. Without love, it's pointless. In fact, it's in conflict with each other. It's love that binds everything together in this perfect harmony. Harmony is the opposite of disorder. Disorder won't help us in our outreach and impact others. It will just it will hinder it. But with love... Our spiritual growth and impact on others is going to be so much more fruitful. And so the question that we want to think about this morning is how do we grow spiritually to have an influential impact on the lost and those in God's kingdom? And it starts in Colossians 3. Colossians 3 verses 1 through 4. We looked at this in class. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. It starts by saying, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. I know we tell this to ourselves often, to our kids, in conversation. We say, you know, seek the things that are above. But we forget that second part, verse 2, that we should be setting our minds as well. And Sam did an amazing job of breaking down what that is. And we'll look deeper into that. But those two things need to come together and be a part of our life. We all seek something in this life. We are born and we seek food right there, right at the beginning. A newborn doesn't know what milk is, doesn't even know that he wants it. But they know that there's something missing. Stomach hurts, they want to be full. There's something missing, and the same goes for our soul. There comes a point in our life where we're seeking something to fill this emptiness that is in our soul. And that's what seeking is. It's the steps that we take to find what we're searching for and what we desire in this life. Too often we get lost in this chase of life, this rat race of life that tells us to keep moving forward. Keep moving forward, keep moving forward, keep moving forward, but to what end? The world doesn't tell us what this end is. It just gives us a false hope, a false promise that we'll be happy in the end. And that's really the big misconception in this world and in our culture, that we'll be happy. And then it's followed by very quick disappointment. This is the hope that, well, maybe if I can do this, maybe if I can get this, just maybe, just maybe, well, just maybe I'll be happy. if we look at all the evil and we notice that it's cloaked with this happiness and the problem is happiness ends when we end but the joy that we have with Christ God tells us to strive for something way more 
the hope of eternity, to seek the things that are above, things that are eternal. God tells us instead to take our passions and the things of this world that aren't from above, that causes us to sin, and to put them to death. He says in verse 5, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Put to death sexual immorality, impurity, passions, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. These are the things that without Christ, without being rooted in him, we can seek after. Verse 6, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you once walked when you were living in them. Lately, Emmy, she's my two-year-old daughter, and uh, for those who don't know, and she's been, she's been telling me that she wants her Halloween candy. But not only does she want her Halloween candy, lately she's been telling me that she needs her Halloween candy. She needs it. And we know that she needs nothing in that. I mean, we're down to the Tootsie Rolls. There's, there's nothing in there. <laughs> Just get rid of it. But that's what she wants. And we can convince ourselves that our wants and desires are all of a sudden sometimes what we need. I don't just need a bigger house. You know, the more I think about it, I think I need a bigger house. I don't just want more money. The more I think about it, I think I need more money. And that's just a few easy examples of this spiral that can happen as we roll down this big rabbit hole. Eventually, it can go even darker than that. I just don't want this drug. Maybe I need this drug in my life. And these are just a few examples of the excuses that we can make seeking after the things of the world and that are not from above. And what is this above that we're trying to seek after? What is this above that Colossians 3.1 tells us we should be seeking after? Is it the attributes that we read about just a second ago? Like compassion and kindness in Colossians 3.12? Well, no. Any good person can seek those things and find them. It goes deeper than that. Those attributes have to come from somewhere. They have to come from someone. A moral law has to come from a moral law giver. That giver is the one who lived up to the things that are above. And then, in effect, walked a life of compassion and kindness and humility, and that is Christ our Savior. Kindness and humility are a result of seeking the things that are above. We need to be seeking the one that is above, seeking Christ. He's sitting at the right hand of the throne of God there in verse 1 that we read. Christ is the one that fills us with everything good in our life. He's the one that brings about joyful and patient endurance that we need to move forward and start seeking the things that are above. Jesus is the love that gives our outreach an impact, just like the branches of a tree do. Seeking Seeking is an outward projection of our inward desires. What our heart desires is going to be the guide for our future steps moving forward. And so whether we like it or not, we will make an impact on people. We will make an impact on this world. It will be either a negative or positive impact. And so we have to ask, what kind of impact do I want to make on other people? And if we think about it from those terms, we're no longer thinking about ourselves. We're thinking about how we can serve other people and more importantly how we can serve the one who saved us, Jesus. Because if we truly want to make a positive impact on people, and I believe most of us do, well then Jesus is going to be the one that gets us there to make that godly impact. He's going to be the one that we have to put on, and Paul tells us this, so that others can see him in our lives. Kind of like the leaves of that tree. We want to see big green leaves on our tree that's well-nourished and well-taken care of so that people can see it and say, hey, that's a healthy tree. That's a, that's a healthy life, both physically but spiritually more importantly. And I want that. I want that. Can people say that about our life? 
They can if we are raised with Christ. And that's what verse 1 tells us. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Children don't raise themselves. Trees don't grow without some sort of assistance from nature. Our growth has to come from something. And it comes from Jesus. He is the one that assists us in weathering the storm and battling the resistance and impacting other people and growing spiritually. Philippians 4, verses 14 through 15, reminds us of what we should be seeking when it says, press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are what? Mature. Think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. The spiritually mature think this way. The spiritually mature are going to be able to be able to set their minds on the goal. And that's when the setting comes in. You've heard it said from every dad on Disney that tell their kid, if you set your mind to it, you can accomplish anything. And we can debate whether or not that's true physically. But that is something that spiritually we should practice. Setting our minds on heaven with the goal to be with Jesus for eternity. And on this earth, be like Christ. And now we turn to Colossians 3. We look at verse 2, the second half there. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on this earth. Seeking and setting are very similar, but they're two different things. And we have to be quite literally dead set on being disciples of Christ. We can seek something and not find it. In fact, we can seek something and not even know what it is that we're seeking. And that's why it is so important to set our minds on the things that are above so that we know where we're going and what we should be seeking. If seeking is our outward expression of our inward desires, well then setting is our inward desires guiding our outward expression. There's a couple quotes I found in my studies I think might help us better understand what it means to set our minds on the things that are above. To set our minds on the things that are eternal and on Christ. And if we can do that, well, as the quote goes, well, then we will set, set giving over getting. Serving over ruling. Forgiving over avenging. The Christian will see things not as they appear to men, but as they appear to God. A Christian has to keep his feet upon the earth, but his head in the heavens. He must be, and I love this, heavenly-minded here on earth. Our minds lead our bodies in the direction that it wants to go. Our mind allows us to see where we're going, what our goal is. And if it's on the things that are above and things that are pure, well, then we'll be able to see things more clearly in the way God sees them. Our thoughts are so important. Our thoughts determine how we feel, and how we feel determines what we do, and what we do determines our habits and our patterns, and our patterns and habits determine what our life is. And this is serious stuff. And to wonder where our life is going and how it's going to play out starts with what we are feeding our soul. And simply, we need to be heavenly-minded, not earthly-minded. As we look at Colossians 3, verses 8 and 9, it tells us what we should not do. If we're not heavenly-minded, we fall into these things. But now you must put them all away. These are the things that we want to put away. Put away anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Verse 9, do not lie to one another. A lot of these things in this list that Paul says in verse 8 have a lot to do with how we think. If I'm angry or wrathful, am I thinking hateful things? If I slander, 
am I thinking about how I can maybe gain an edge over this person or be better than this person? If I'm talking obscenely, am I thinking or, or doing something I shouldn't be doing that's inappropriate, watching something that's inappropriate, and then thinking about that later, hanging out with the wrong crowd? If I'm not being honest, am I really thinking about that other person's best interest? You see how one leads to the other? I was listening to a, a podcast on the neuroscientist, and he was talking, he was referring to this study. It was very interesting. It led to, it connected honesty to intelligence. The more honest we were made us more intelligent in the sense. The more honest we were with people led to better relationships, more peaceful lives, and that resulted in healthier brain lives, more intelligence. So there you go, parents. Kids telling the lie. You want to be smart? Tell the truth. But, but what that does remind us of, and what we read in God's Word all the time, is that our mind and soul's health is greatly determined by what we set our minds to. Are we setting our minds on the things that are above, things that are heavenly, eternal, pure, and godly? Philippians 4, 8 clarifies this for us, telling us what we need to be thinking about when it says whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. How far our branches grow, how far our outreach extends is going to be determined by what we set our mind to. And so turn your Bibles to Matthew 16. Matthew 16, we ought to look at Jesus. He's the perfect example. Matthew 16. I want you to pay attention to his conversation with Peter here. Matthew 16. He's talking to his disciples. He's being honest up front, telling them what to expect. And Matthew 16, verse 21. In Matthew 16, verse 21, Jesus says, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Satan will use people will really use anything to become a hindrance to us, to distract us, to unset our mind and then set it on the things of man or the things of this earth, on sinful things. The analogy was made by Sam of a runner running through when he sets his mind on, a, on finishing that race, running through that finish line. Well, at the beginning of that race, what do they do? What do they say? They say, ready, set, go. They get in their place, their stance, and they get set to push off toward that finish line. And that's what we are doing with our minds and our soul. We're setting them in place so that we can mentally and spiritually be ready to seek and run after Jesus, to run with endurance the race that is set before us, seeking Jesus. If we can do that, well, then we can serve people's needs. We can serve Christ. And not as people pleasers. Colossians 3.22 warns us of this, not to boast, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart. That's humility. Fearing the Lord. This is going to make an impact on people and produce good fruit for all of us. The other day, we celebrated Veterans Day. And I was listening to this interview of some veterans from World War II talk about their experience on D-Day. This is both German-American troops. 
and you listen to them and they help describe what's going on in these bloody beaches and you can see the tears flow and the emotion pour out and it's very heavy stuff. But what I realize is that soldiers literally have no choice in that situation but to set their mind on the things that are above in order to get them through what they had to do. And that's expected from us too. Soldiers don't fight the enemy alone. There's an army. A fully grown, mature tree can make a huge difference, but there's just something about coming upon this forest and seeing its vast power. It impacts us. That's why we take hikes through them. It's beautiful. We make more of an impact. We reach further with love. We grow more spiritually when we are together with other God-fearing men and women. And Colossians 3 really makes that clear, that we are to be unified, seeking and setting Christ in our hearts and doing it together. Colossians 3, 15-17 encourages us by saying, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another and all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. There's thankfulness again, with thankfulness in your heart to God. Thankfulness is crucial to setting our minds on Christ and being more Christ-like. Thankfulness resets our minds and our hearts back on God. Spiritually mature people, people who grow spiritually, they start with thankfulness. And we don't have to be thankful alone. We can be thankful together. We can be thankful for our brothers and sisters in our lives and the impact, the positive impact that they make in our lives. And so I want this to encourage us this morning not to hide our, the gift of salvation. Instead, I want us to share it with the world. A world, as we read this morning, really needs Christ to be that positive change. And then, as we read in verse 17, it tells us some action steps to take when we're seeking and we're setting our minds on the things that are above. When it says, in whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. There's thankfulness again, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The world needs to see Christ in us. He needs to be our life. People need to experience compassion and kindness that will lead others to Christ, that will taste the fruit that comes from Christ. Colossians 3.3 makes it clear that for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God when Christ, who is your life, appears then you also will appear with him in glory. And that's an amazing hope, that Christ will appear and we'll be with him in glory. That is what we're seeking. But in the meantime, we have to set our minds on Christ and let Christ be our entire life. He makes all the difference in the world. And so I want to encourage you this morning, if you have not made that change, not put the earthly self to death and given a new self, a new self with Christ, let him be that change that you're seeking after. Don't waste precious time and precious effort to seek things that don't have any eternal value. Instead, seek and set your minds on the joyfulness that comes from above and the salvation we receive through Christ Jesus. If this is you, if you want that filled, then come forward and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. We stand and we sing.